welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, December 1st, 2021, otherwise known as, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, pickings are slim, it's eat a red apple day. I mean, I mean, I guess it keeps the doctor away. Does that still work? That's true. Green will do as well. I, hopefully. I don't know why we have to be so color specific here. I mean, like, can't <laughs> any, I mean, is just it, eat an apple. Yeah. You know, I and will if there's say, any unsung apple, it's the green one. Everybody's normally eating a version of a red apple. It may not be a Granny Smith, but it's still I red. Like the, yeah, I feel like the golden delicious. The, yeah, so the apples sure. that like you draw the most are like that real bright red one, but those are like not a very good apple to eat. No, that's a you want a nice that's a like, red pink delicious lady, something like that. A gala apple. We should just name how many apples. Honey crisps are good. Fuji. I like a jazz apple if you've had that before. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. I think we, we've got a half dozen. That's pretty good. Okay. So instead of dropping right into what we've been building, we should highlight some of the things that the viewers or the listeners have been building for the hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge. Well, well we you should, guys have I, anything in I mind? Got a few. Well, we should probably say bef- before we get into it. So this, we're recording this before the submission deadline, but by the time people are hearing this, the submission deadline has probably passed. So this is not going to be the wrap up episode no, by this any is means. your this is your friendly reminder to hurry up and get it done because we all understand that projects take longer than they're supposed to i think i mean Post-dated. we all know that so this is the grace period we're, we're never <laughs> yeah. mad at a project grace period but let, no let me no, tell you not we've gotten all. a lot of bangers so the first one i want to bring up is it's actually I love it when somebody does something that I've kind of thought about, but just haven't ever gotten around to doing, and I'm not really sure how it would work or if it would work, but makers underscore way made a bicycle powered chop saw. He basically took apart a whole bike, attached a circular saw blade to it. You pull the tension on the blade from the handlebars and you pull the piece of material into the saw blade which is fixed which is basically where the wheel is now does this have saw stop technology in it (laughs) no comment (laughs) no i'm kidding it's so cool though i mean this is if you cut yourself you would probably stop pedaling there you go right there's a part of my head that says why didn't they think of this before but i guess you had to invent the circular saw blade before you would have put two and two together so that was really fun The other ones that really sort of stick out is Makes with Miles, who we've talked about already, but he's posted some finished pictures of the guitar. And it's just, it's one of the nicest guitars I've seen from the maker community. It's just really well done. Full steam design. Just built a car. and Yeah, that was the one that I was going to shout out. Holy cow, right? And... Like he basically used the canoe cedar strip technique to make a what I would imagine is a very lightweight body for an old fashioned kind of hot rod. And then the other ones that I've seen updates for are AC nailed it. He did a really nice pegboard wall thing. Muldoon made did some really nice pedestals for his wife's ceramic studio. And then Waffle Beaver posted some updates to the recycled plastic surfboard fins he's been making. So be sure to check out hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge. There's just, it's such a diverse group of creative projects. Um, Most of them sort of centered on woodworking, but they're kind of all over. 
Chris, do you got any favorites? Yeah, so I don't want to get too into it just because I know we're going to talk about it a lot later. But one that popped up recently that I saw was from goodland.wood.co. And he made basically a bunch of accessories for his cameras. Like he's got like old Nikons. So like lens caps and like different grip mounts and stuff. And they look awesome. Like they, So picture, you know, like an 80s, 70s kind of vintage Nikon camera. But then it has this like, I don't know if it's walnut or what kind of wood it is, but these like wooden accents to it. So it's a cool mix of like black metal and wood. And it's like, it actually looks cooler than like regular camera accessories would look. Wow. Yeah. Those are really good. Do you see the, this is another one that I really like the custom ping pong paddles. With the yeah. leather. Dang it, man. You keep taking them right, right before Mike, I'm about, about to say it. it. I was like, I was literally <laughs> right, going to say, well, since I can't us. use the car. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, no, shout out Ethan Carter Designs. He uses a lot of leather in projects. Mm-hmm. And I love kind of the the way people are mixing materials for all of the challenges that we do. So I think that one's good. And how like more directly could it apply for a hobby? I think it's quintessential. And then I also want to shout out makes with Miles, or I'm sorry, make with Miles again. I know we've talked about this Kumiko guitar, but the day that we're recording, he just posted a couple photos that are close-ups, and it just got me impressed one more time. So shout out everybody, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm really happy with how the topic let led to some sort of cohesion. There definitely is like a focus overall on woodworking, but. Man, the the applications of the projects are just all over the place, and it's a it's a pretty good scroll feed. If you just click on that on Instagram and just scroll like three wide, you're just like, wow, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. Yep. And if anybody's posting on YouTube, just make sure and use the hashtag in the video description, and that's kind of how it catalogs everything. So we love seeing the videos. Keep sending them in. I like all right. Scroll three wide. Like I feel like you're an animal if you're scrolling one wide. Yes. On Instagram. Yeah, you're crazy. Just who's got time for scrolling one wide? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get with the program. Yeah. yeah. So what have you guys been working on? I know we we missed a week during Thanksgiving. Hopefully you guys had some good Thanksgivings, plural. But what have you been working on? <laughs> well, I'll start. I've been editing a lot. I have so many videos that are done. So by the time this is going out, we should have the concrete floor renovation project that I did using that the same concrete that I used for the lightweight concrete table, the real thin resurfacing application. You're going to mm-hmm. see a whole lot of fail in that. But it's one of those, Mike, you sort of, in helping out Rachel, kind of experienced how one of those concrete resurfacing things can go wrong. So I included that yes. in the thing. And I really tried to sort of break down why it went wrong, like how I was thinking about the project, even though the task is really simple. So it's a pretty short video, but it goes through the fail and then the fix of the fail. And then I got my... Yeah, because sometimes you got to trust the directions and other times you've got to make the gut call of saying, I know it's said to add a gallon of water per bag, but I just don't think this is going to do it. And my problem was that I knew time was important and that mixing them well was important, but I put too much emphasis on this time in between the buckets and not enough emphasis on if you don't mix one bucket right, it can ruin the whole floor. So it was really... Mm. Yep precision and accuracy in the mixing was more important than being a little bit slow in between the buckets. 
avoid clumping no at all costs. No clumps in the in the mashed potatoes or gravy, and no clumps in your your concrete for resurfacing floors. That's cool. You got any builds happening? Any projects in the works? The meat cutting boards. I did the specialty oh, tri-tip I've seen these. cutting board, which is mad. I am going to get some serious vegan hate on this because. <laughs> all right, so it's like I, I talked about this before, but the I've done other versions of this as sort of an individual plate for a steak, but this time I went for like the whole tri-tip. And I've always hated those cutting boards where you, all the meat juice, juice goes around the channel. And this time it has a big reservoir. But I was looking at the time lapse of cutting up a whole tri-tip. Mm-hmm. You just it's see just like... or what? <laughs> it's just like red juice like pooling up. It looks like a murder scene. Especially because it's like 10 minutes of, you know, cutting and juice accumulation. But all happening yeah. in like five seconds. Yeah. It's it's very Dexter. But... Uh, it would be... Uh, <laughs> it'd be interesting if... There was some irony that played out. You put the video out and a bunch of... Is there a name for... I guess people that are on a carnivore diet, people that only eat meat, they come after you for the tree that you murdered to make a cutting board. Yeah. I'm going to call it the bloodletting board. Oh, there we go. (laughs) The bloodletting board. Yeah. So that should be coming out. The killing floorboard. But... How many cups are we talking? Will it hold a cup of meat juice or maybe two thirds? Two thirds to three quarters. And... Then you put a little of the sriracha in there or a little bit of uh, jalapeno seeds to give it a little spice. And then you just yeah. dip the meat in before you eat it. So that'll be coming out. And then we did a really cool project for LG where it's funny. Like one of the requests I'd gotten a long time ago from other friends that are artists is, hey, you can make stuff. Can you stretch canvas over a frame and make the frame and make custom you know, painting canvases? And yeah. I was like, well, just buy them. But I made a, <laughs> I, I figured out how to make them. And shout outs to Craig Jigs because Craig Jig is like the perfect thing for making painter's cab canvases because you can just use three quarter inch material. Pocket holes are perfect for it because it keeps everything nice and flat. The corner clamps. So it's really like. So our canvas. Yeah. So our canvas is one of those things where economies of scale have made it worthwhile or not worth it to DIY it. I think it's worthwhile if you need big ones. Big ones are expensive and a lot of art stores don't keep them in stock. So if you need anything bigger than about like three feet by three feet, definitely make it yourself. If you don't care about weight, plywood would save a ton of money. I went with like the premium clear pine because I just didn't want to need like, you know, warp sort of setting me back. But Mm -hmm. I made some really cool canvases. I made two that were the same size. And then we did a painting on one side and just a white canvas on the other one. And then I made this reversible screen. So you can have a painting that fits in with your your home decor. But if you want to watch some Netflix in bed, you just flip it around and turn on the projector. So for a lot of interior designers, they don't like the idea of having like a big screen in the bedroom because it kind of dominates the interior design. Everything could be really like antiques and looking all kind of nice and vibey. But then you have this like massive piece of new technology right there kind of can get in the way of things so it's kind of cool because you can flip the painting in like 10 10 seconds and it's big it's like about three feet tall and six feet wide so it's a huge screen but then it gets hidden behind this painting i've seen it it looks pretty cool you sent me the video of it in action i'm a fan so what did you use for the canvas is it literally the same canvas that you would make 
you know, like material, like fabric, duck canvas. Is that what you paint on? Do you just prime that and then paint on top of so it? So for the screen size, we use a typical artist canvas, and then you put gesso on that, which brightens it up into a little bit more white. Uh, I'm working, and you just buy that stuff on a roll. Yeah. And then I'm working with the mm. local artist Alex Maceda, who does a lot of paintings out here, kind of abstract stuff. And we, for the canvas that she was actually painting on, we use linen, which is it, it was like Ooh. had almost like a olive greenish kind of beige color to it. And so some of the canvas huh. the, or the raw linen sort of shows through the painting. And yeah, it looks it looks really good. It totally fits the the room that it's going in. So. Dude, that's pretty cool. Been busy, but there'll be a lot of YouTube coming out soon. Awesome. Chris, what are you building? What's new in your workshop? The baby. The DIY table using the spider legs came out. I enjoyed that video a lot. Yep. What's new? What's new is so I believe I already talked about this. So the I'm I'm looking at like the the push towards the end of the year, which is maybe that's something that we can talk about (laughs) if we're looking for a topic later. But Hopefully by the time this comes out, this video will already be out. It's already done, which is the kind of updated version, better, more produced version of let's talk about design, which I still don't have a name for. So working title, I just put fix your design. I put that on the thumbnail, but if anybody listening to this has, let's hear it. I've got it. What is it? You suck at design. I, okay. So I thought about that. Like, you know, something like I knew it. I knew you would. It's a good idea. Or some like, yeah, fix your, whatever, something that's like has a, pejorative to it or whatever. But uh-huh. I was like, ah, I don't know. Let me just like start with this and see what people recommend. So I want to see what's out there and then hopefully okay. come up with the series name. But that first video of hopefully more, depending on how it goes, will come out probably before the podcast does, if I had to well, guess. What kind of design problems are you trying to fix? So, is, is it maybe one episode is like about proportion and then the m- next one might be about angles? So who knows? It, it, yeah, it's kind of who knows because it depends on the person that I just happened to like work with for that episode. So for example, this first one, it was a guy named Joe. So I did it like very formulaic. It's like a three part, a three act, whatever YouTube video. I'm excited for this. So okay. Okay. The first part is me interviewing the guy. He shows me his piece. We look at it. And what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was too angled if I'm being honest. If I have to (laughs) straighten that out. a little too angular. Yeah. Come on. We need some some organic curve. Uh, um, Anyway. He showed me his piece of furniture. Then I came up with my idea. So then away from him, I kind of talk to the camera, do a bunch of drawings, address all the different things that I see that could use fixing. Then we get back on another Zoom call and I present him with the finished design and we talk about it. So it's like on the shorter side. I think this video came out to like nine or 10 minutes but I, I, I don't know. It didn't feel like it could be much longer. Like I didn't want to just drag it out or whatever. I, I think it's good. And I, I think people will like it, but it's just a matter of, is there enough kind of people that would like it to make it a sustainable thing? So anyway, that should be out by the time people are listening to this. Then I'm working on this big... Oh, before you move on. Yeah. Before you move on. Yo. I want to solicit all of our listeners to say, only if, only if... You like the idea of calling it you suck at design or your design suck or, you know, whatever the the kind of like, what'd you say? You used a big word, Chris, I, like I used, pejorative. Yeah, pe- that's yeah, just like a negative nice. connotation. Okay, if anybody likes that idea, DM Chris. That's all you need to do. Or, just send him a DM on Instagram. Say you support the idea. Maybe send some suggestions. There you go, yeah. Or if you feel like you can top it, send me a DM with that yeah. as well on Instagram. Because 
I'm I'm looking for a name for it. So we'll see. Think, All right. Rather cool. than you well, suck at design, I think it's more like sucking at design. <laughs> Yeah. And that was like the idea of saying your design sucks. It's not right. like the person sucks. It's just, hey, the design could use some help. And they know that. That's why they came or, to you. Right. Hopefully. Like design struggles or something. Right. But I say go hard, man. We're making YouTube videos here. This isn't the place to beat around the bush. Right. If anything, I mean, people would watch if you initially saw it and were like, that's a mean thing to say in a thumbnail, you would watch uh-huh. it and be like, oh, he, he was nice to the guy. Yeah, surprisingly pleasant. (laughs) Didn't say a single mean thing, actually. (laughs) Just mean in in thumbnails. How did you find a person? So I had been wanting to do this for a while, and I was like thinking about putting a call out. And then he was a Patreon member, and he just happened to message me, which it happens quite a bit where people will kind of show me a design, and I'll talk to him about it, give him some pointers or whatever. And I was like, hey, do you want to do this thing? Like, I've been (laughs) wanting to make this show. Are you down for it? And he's like, yeah. And his brother... Like, not that people would have to do this, but his brother is like pretty good with video production and stuff. So, like, you know, we could get audio set up and all that stuff on his side, and it wasn't a total struggle. Even though, like, honestly, like, I can record everything locally just right off my computer. So it's not like we need to get all fancy moving forward. But I figured, well, he'll be a good first one at least to kind of like, you know, work the kinks out with. Nice. I like it. So then, constantly trying new things. Yep. Trying different stuff. So then, uh, Building now this really big L-shaped desk. It's like 100 inches long on one side and then 88 inches on the other side. It's got a cabinet. So it's a really big build. Um, It's probably going to take quite a while. And it's going to be probably the last build that I'll do this year. I would say it's probably not going to even come out until like just before Christmas, hopefully. Nice. So and that's a it's a commission piece slash, you know, every... Every time somebody reaches out, it's always like, I can do it as long as you don't want me to like just build something that I've already built on the channel because I can't make another video on that. So love it when people come to me with this. This guy was just like, hey, I want a big L-shaped desk. These are the dimensions. Do you have any ideas? And I said, yeah, here's a couple ideas. We shot them back and forth for a couple of days and then we landed on a design and now we're building. So is this going in someone's home office or yeah. someone's office office? Home office. And he's okay. local. So like, you know, we don't need to ship it or anything, which meant we could build a really big thing and it's not going to cost $3,000 just to ship it, which is nice. You're becoming, you're getting a good library of desks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, this is the time, I, right? I know. I've been building a buttload of beds and people have been commenting that now when, when I release one. But it's just one of those things where it's just like, well, I needed one for me. Then I needed to build one. Then Mike's, the semi-exact. And it just all happened. Mike's but starting a hostel. That's secretly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> he's outfitting to put Ben's hotel yeah. with oh. hundreds of beds. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, we're going very DIY with this hotel. <laughs> all right, Mike, nice, man. what have you been working on? Ooh, okay. So the content I have coming out since we've spoken last is the DIY gym. And it is so gym. legit. I'm oh, calling yeah. it the Flintstones gym. I think I've talked about it enough on the podcast. That I don't need to dive into it, but I am very happy to report that it's a hundred percent successful. My body is sore because I've been working <laughs> out and a couple of the components that I'm really happy ended up working out. I was just a little skeptical on. So I think we had talked about the whole way that the bar is the bar hooks, the bar holders whether it's at squat height or bench height, are just a couple of two by fours like glued together that make a notch that the bar sits in. I stole this idea from you, Ben, and it worked out really well. But after that accessory kind of just was a success, 
I wanted to make some of those spotting arms, like a, like spot bars mm. that you would get on one of these power racks so that if you're benching or you're squatting and it's too much weight, you can just go down with it, let these bars catch it, no big deal. So I kind of thought about it. I knew I was going to have to make everything a little bit more chunky than what something, than something Rogue Fitness would make, but I wanted it to still look for the thumbnails and just for the photos of it. I still wanted it to look like a production piece. So I was able to make this basic skeleton frame on the inside of it out of two by fours and then use three quarter inch plywood so that it would have a lot of like, well, I don't know what kind of force you would call it, but if the bar drops on it, it would keep it from folding basically. And turned out it worked great. The I only have 185 pounds worth of weight right now between the the weights that I made out of concrete and the bar but I dropped it heavy and it didn't even like make sounds where it was like cracking and sounding like it was struggling. It just made a thud and obviously dented the wood a little bit, but who cares? It's going to get used and that's how it's going to look. So the squat bench press combo home gym, that video, that content is all out. So I really hope people dig it. And right now I'm actually working on my laundry room. I got a gig from home Depot. They had somebody, Oh, this is a great story. Okay, here's a little inside baseball. This is a peek behind the curtains. Mm. So I got a new so I got a re-up on how to undo with Home Depot, where I'm the where I'm the host. I'm the guy. Nice. And they wanted to do season two, season three. I said, let's do it. You guys are my favorite. I want to work with you guys as much as possible. But if we're doing all this how to undo content, I need you guys sponsoring YouTube videos as well. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Right now, we actually have something that would be really helpful if you're willing to take on this gig. And I said, sure, what's what's the thing? They're like, well, we need to install these floor tiles. We had somebody else on this video, but he went to the store and bought the wrong tiles. So whoever they partnered with on this video for this flooring campaign, I'm not going to, I I have seen the video that that person made, but I can't remember who it is. So I'm not calling them out even if I could. But they went to Home Depot. They were supposed to use a specific tile for this video, bought the wrong one, not knowing, Mm. installed it, edited the whole video and was like, hey, Home Depot, hope you like it. Let me know. (laughs) You know, just making sure that Home Depot isn't like, oh, we like it. But, you know, can you can you take out that sentence or you can can you change that step and maybe describe it this way? Can you take out all the tile? That's brutal. Yeah, they're like, wait a second. Can we see a receipt? Because we think you used the wrong item. So. Anyways, that left them in a pickle, and I am the the benef- the beneficiary from that. There you go. They were like, if you can get this You're done the in the next two weeks. You're the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can get this done in the next couple of weeks, it pays great. And it's kind of one of those things where wrapping up the laundry room and getting that old vinyl flooring, is it's just on the never-ending list. So it was one of those things where I'm like, great, it's got to get done anyways. And it's the final piece of the laundry room, and then it's completely done. Rachel came whenever she was house-sitting for me. She uh, she renovated that and it looks really cool. Like it's got a mural on the ceiling. I'm throwing a backsplash behind the laundry rooms or the laundry units. Are you putting in new so laundry I'm hyped units? For it. Oh, you already know. Businessman Mike over here, while I was doing all the emailing, got the contract, signed <laughs> you know, I'm everything. Need some. <laughs> That's what I said. Hopefully, I'm not on a NDA here or yeah. at least breaching any NDAs, but <clears throat> non disclosure agreements. But we get the contract signed and I say, you know, Contract is attached. Can't wait to get going on this. Oh, one other thing. I'm going to be buying these laundry units. No big deal. Or if you guys want to provide them, I'm happy to, you know, like throw in some placement and some Instagram posts. And they're like, absolutely. Oh, man. So you going premium? Just, Booyah. 
Just keep getting That's some how you do it. No, actually, right. No, I just, I was getting a relatively basic like Samsung or LG line that I was going to buy for myself. Not like the cheapest thing that you can get, but not paying like for like around like any the features I'm not going to use. $900 range per unit. Yeah, per unit. Yeah, I think combined it was right around 15, 16. Yeah. You'd be like, you know, and I'm going to need a ride to Home Depot, actually. If you guys want to call up Uber and have them take <laughs> me down there, I could. Nice. I could nice. go right now. Just complicate every step so, yeah, of the process. This, this, I'm going to be probably that is pretty not how you get people to want to work there. with you again. The, those fresh white teas are going to be nice and crisp. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's not how you get people to want to work with you again, Chris. <laughs> I've been eyeing those talkies at the uh, checkout impromptu buy. <laughs> and I saw what do you think you toss in a couple bags a of those? Snickers bar. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to be pretty t- tired. I mean, how about a five-hour energy? Yeah. This has been like the thing that I've been trying to secretly get for a long time, which is just, hey, Home Depot, do you want to sponsor me for the year and just give me like a a monthly stipend, like put it on a gift card. Give me a Home Depot gift card for like four grand every month. Cause that's as good as cash to me. You'll spend it. But I get it, man. I get it. We'll get there one day, maybe. (laughs) Boom, boom. Just a a never, you need a bottomless gift card. Oh, that would be- From Home Depot. I've heard of some people that get that for like Chipotle or they get it for maybe like Papa John's or something. Like a lifetime supply of- Yes, I've heard about that at Jimmy John's, I think actually. Oh, I love a Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Yeah, for the, nice. What is the best sandwich shop? Because it's definitely not Subway. You mean of like, you guys the, like that of Quiznos action? I, I don't think Quiznos is around anymore, but when they were around, they were pretty good. It was good. like the Firehouse They subs. were pretty good. The, uh, yep. Jersey Mike's is good. Yeah. I like Jersey Mike's a lot because they've kind of got their unique dressing that they throw yeah, on that it. That might be the top dog of like the fast food sandwich well, Let me places. tell you what it not it. It's yeah. definitely not Subway. That was my first no, job. No, not at all. That? I was a sandwich artist. <laughs> ah. Wait, what'd you say, Chris? That was my first job when I was a sophomore in high school. Dude, no way. Oh, yeah. I could make a mean how, sandwich. How good of a sandwich artist were you? Were you, I wasn't like, were you the top fastest, tier? But I feel like my sandwiches probably looked the nicest of, of the whole crew. Hopefully Did none of them are the listening. Rules? I would always feel conflicted, I imagine, personally, as a sandwich artist, because I would always want to like throw a couple extra slices on, but I'm sure lines. that they're like, no, a six inch gets four slices, a 12 inch gets eight, you know, and you're not probably supposed to waver. Yeah, I would, I would stick pretty tight to the script, although I would make some abomination of sandwiches for myself, some like chicken meatball oh, be pastrami so sandwiches, ring it uh-huh. up as a veggie delight. That, that was happening for sure. As long as Just you weren't mixing every the tuna sandwich with the meatball it in the toaster. Oh, uh, no, thank you. That, I've, Wait, I've you never say, eaten tuna in my life. As long as you're not mixing the tuna, tuna sandwich. sandwich with the meatball sub, should be good. Oh, That was no, the worst part of the it. job was making, like when you had to make like the huge the freaking metal bowl of, of tuna. tuna. Ugh, I hated that. Okay, so I've got a YouTube rabbit hole that maybe you guys haven't found before. Uh-oh. Do you know that there's sa- sandwich artists from Subway that have like millions of views? Really? Oh man, I got to switch the channel. There's like a format to this. I stumbled upon it one day and I've gotten fed it a couple of times. So it's always kind of been on my periphery where I'm like, how is this a whole genre? So what the person will do is they'll have a GoPro on their head while they're doing sandwich artist stuff, mm. like making a sandwich in real time yeah. point of view, but they will be telling a story of a weird customer interaction That's most of good. the time. And they're actually like pulling Maybe not topping a million views, but definitely hundreds to f- half a million views. That's funny. And then hundreds you just of like, thousands. I just got to keep the job at Subway to keep the content rolling in. 
Exactly. I'm not even, I don't even want <laughs> the money from Subway. This up. YouTube money well, is what it's all about. Do you have any of those stories, there Chris? Was a guy, I don't remember. It was like 30, 25 years ago. But there wasn't any like one moment where you're like, that defines my Subway. Uh, let me think about it. If I, if I remember okay. one, I'll, I'll, I'll A while say back, it. there was a guy, I think he worked for Lowe's or Ace Hardware or one of the hardware stores. And he worked in the paint department mm-hmm. and he was doing TikToks about like the paint Ooh. mixing. And he was getting like millions of views. And they fired him. So, mm, like, yep. I sent his contact info to Home Depot's marketing team and said, hey, you should offer this guy a job because he's actually doing, like, extra work. And, like, these idiots, uh-huh. it's, you know, whichever company it was, just didn't realize how much value he was actually creating. And they saw it as, like, a distraction from his really important job of mixing the paints, which is, but... If you're doing millions of views just on like the paint swirling together and like the different colors going in or it's like, did you know to make this color, you need this many drops of this and this many drops of this. And yeah, so no, there's, it's so interesting looking on YouTube and seeing what pops off, but anything can be interesting if the storytelling's good and there's like a creative twist around something that's relatable. Whether that's yeah. sandwich artistry, mixing paint, woodworking, or whatever else it is. And who hasn't wanted to know what it's like to be behind the counter? Right. You know? I mean, I can We're tell all you on the other side of the glass. On the other side of the sneeze our guard. Our whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're working on. And it's brought to you by SawStop. Now, I've been seeing Ba-dum. quite a few people... Post and tag us in their sauce with their sauce stops that they got. We love that. Keep doing that. That's great. Anytime I see one of those, you're getting a repost from me. One, it's just cool to see that people are being safe and getting great tools. And also, it's just a great way to support the podcast. And this time of year, everybody's doing holiday sales. So I'll make sure and leave a specific link to what sauce stop is running and promoting right now in the show notes. That way you can check it all out. Boom. Boom. Awesome. Today's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is also sponsored by Indeed. No successful entrepreneur is an island. It takes a core team of people that you trust to help build a business from the ground up. And when it comes to hiring, leave it to the experts. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want. A short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. So don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you every step along the process so that you can find talent with the skills that you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can even invite them to apply right away. With Indeed Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. And candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who only see it in search, according to that same data. So here's what you're going to do. You can get started right now with a free $75 job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com modern. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash M-O-D-E-R-N. Last time, that is Indeed.com slash modern. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now back to the show. 
And we are back. We're back. And it's that time of season, right? <laughs> well, Christmas wait, season Wait, what time of season? Up? I guess it's uh, December I guess that's now true. when people are hearing this. It's Are things in stock still or is everything just bare? I was at Home Depot and it looked like there was a lot of stuff. It's a uh, uh, supply chain shortage season that's also intersecting with Black Friday season and then gift giving season. So a lot of shopping, shopping and a lot of slowdowns to that. So we thought we would... I don't really want to do like gift ideas, but one, are there any sort of Black Friday sales that you guys are kind of looking at or brands that you're working at that are putting out specifically great deals? I know with Ryobi, who's been my sort of long-term sponsor, there's like a few times of year that are good. Normally at the beginning of summer and then like right around now are like the times if you're going to get tools. Mike, I know you've been doing some research on generic batteries versus branded batteries, which we'll get to uh, in a second, which I'm really interested in. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I said, uh-huh, the weirdest way. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> Let's go ahead and edit that out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll leave it. In. <laughs> and <laughs> All right. Other than that, have you guys ever had to have you ever really done like woodworking or maker projects that were specifically for gifts and also what sort of tools and things like that do you think would make good gifts at sort of different price points i have made many planters for my mother and my grandmother Mm. and my aunt even now that i think about it they're really easy to build you can always find some wood around and kind of like throw it together back before i did modern builds back before i did any kind of back before i had any idea that i wanted to do building as a thing it was just always easy to just go whip something up for a gift, and then it's more sentimental than what you would buy. You know, this is a it's kind of tangential to that, but something that came up recently. So I I feel like I have a lot of friends of the family or like family members that are a little bit more distant so that don't quite understand what I do, like the, the kind of stuff that we do. And so, for example, my cousin, one of my cousins the other day sent me this it's kind of like a carved out log so like a picture like a long (laughs) bowl that might be like a centerpiece or whatever and said could you build something like this and i looked at it for a while and i ended up responding like yes but probably not nearly as efficiently or for as cheap as as the the person selling as the nice people uh, at target so i I (laughs) found it on amazon and it was like twenty dollars it's like i could never do that that cheap like it would take me way too long to build it and so well, here, real quick. Yeah. So my mom, she told me, you know what you should do one day is just make like 20 little cutting boards or something. And then every time somebody that's like a family member or a friend asks, just give them that and say, don't ask again. Yeah. So <laughs> you brought more asking. This is the one. It's personal. And I only made one of these for you, yeah. but don't tell anyone you, about it. <laughs> you brought up something that I think is always, I've always struggled with when people sort of ask me to make like, oh, can you do some like quick and easy maker kind of gift ideas. The problem is if you do something quick and easy, it's probably super cheap just to buy the version of it. Yeah. So it has to be a really specific design. So like the one project that I did recently that I think would be good would be like the laser cut coffee pour over stand. Cause that mm-hmm. it's like literally machines doing all the work, material costs are low, something like that would work. Cutting boards are always suggested on that. I don't know how many brands have suggested that I do cutting boards as sort of seasonal gift projects but cutting boards are not that fast like it involves a glue up it involves often maple which is like not an easy wood to sand it involves a lot of sanding multiple layers of finishing so it's a very 
I mean, I guess you could batch out a lot, but yeah, I'll probably be doing a couple cutting board gifts, but I'll be doing them the way that I just did for these meat boards where it's really specific to one type of serving. So at least it's like something that you can't buy. But when I look mm -hmm. online and see how cheap you can buy like really nice sanded cutting boards that are all done for that look pretty good, I'm like, I can't value my time relative to that. So I think it's easy to do like a gift for a really important person in your life because then you just, you're really gifting them your time and attention and also your understanding of their particular needs. But making like a mass produced generic gift, the only things I've ever really been able to come up with are either like CNC projects or like concrete projects that involve a silicone mold where you sort of make the infrastructure and make the design file and then just sort of stamp them out. But I think yeah. exactly what you described, Chris, is like, I'll look at some woodworking things on like Etsy or Target or Amazon. And I'm like, how the hell do they like sell yeah. these like, or like, here's the thing. If you're like a turner and like turning a bowl takes some skill and some time. Yeah. And then you look at these like wooden bowls and it's like a nesting set of three. And granted the wood might be garbage, but it's like $40 for three bowls. And I'm like, well, yeah, I couldn't do one of those that well. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll start doing artisanal offcuts. That's something I could keep up with demand mm. for. Just all my offcuts. Candles, right, Mike? Yeah, you could just use it as like a nice bookend. You just call <laughs> yeah. it a bookend. Geometric and often live edge bookends. It's very versatile. It could also be a paperweight if you're still <laughs> using paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could hold down your Kindle if you've moved over to digital. Yeah, so I guess if you could batch out a bunch of gifts, that way you never really have to think about it. You just have them on reserve. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. When I'm bored. Yeah, I mean, and CNC, like Ben was just talking about, that'd be the way to go. Just you have little pieces that are big enough every time, kind of like when you made your your pavers or whatever. Right. Like every time you have an offcut that's big enough, uh, I'll go cut out a few more of those things. Yeah. And so, give them away when somebody asks. But as for gifts themselves, like I've been thinking about like what are like the best things that i've gotten this year that are that are new at sort of different price points one is if you have like a maker in your life that you want to get them something special i suggest any of jaco's from jaco whatever kind mm. of custom yeah. designed he made a really cool pocket knife he made this like crazy kinetic screwdriver just in general his things are just they're, they're the type of hand tools that you'll keep for a lifetime and they're different from what else is on the market. So highly recommend those kind of things. At the lower end price point, my sort of favorite under $30 purchase this year is the Craig Portable Crosscut. Mike, have you been using yours? But it's... I've tested it out and it's cool, but I, I refrain from using it in videos just because I'm trying not to do too much product placement where it's like, oh, people feel like they have to use it or something. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's sick, man. It's so nice being able to measure... Oh, the thing that's cool about it is you just measure to the mark you want to cut rather than measuring for the offset of the bed and then lining your circular or your square up to and, that. And you know, I'm Mr. Speed Square. I probably used the Speed Square in like 70% of my yeah. videos over the last like seven or eight years. I don't use one anymore. Like I'm pretty much only using the crosscut. The other thing I really like about it, Dang. when you drop it onto concrete, it doesn't like break your ears. <laughs> oh, look, like the, the metal ones? I know, because I use a plastic 12-inch yeah. speed square now for that same reason. Save the ears. So, Mike. They really reverberate. You're a thrifty guy. 
Tell us about your bargain tool generic battery oh. shopping experience. Let's hear the right, test. Guys. What's the test? Okay, well, first off, let me set the stage. Yeah, break it down. Did you guys have any idea that you could buy third-party batteries for every brand? Ryobi, Milwaukee, uh, oh, Makita, really? DeWalt, on Amazon and eBay. Mm, I mean, it makes just sense. Like, just like camera batteries you can do it with. That's what I was going to say. So that was my follow-up question. Chris, have, have you used the, the like, you know, wasabi. a Sony battery but not made by yeah, Sony? Yeah, 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 Wasabi Power? Yeah, I've got a couple of them for the... For, so I had some, I remember for my Nikon and they were fine, except for the camera wouldn't tell you how much juice was left. That was like the one mm. downside was it couldn't read that. But then for my GH5, I just got a few more batteries and they work exactly like the, the whatever Lumix ones. Panasonic. Interesting to hear. And I think I've kind of been in the same boat. Like maybe if there's any power loss or if there's anything negligible. That's, on, that's internal, it's all negligible. Exactly. Chris, yeah. what about you, Ben? Have you used uh, fake batteries so or I've used generics? generic batteries for my Canon, my old Canon DSLR. They were in with, I didn't test them thoroughly, but I had one of the original Canon batteries and then I used the generic ones. My estimation is that the generic ones were about, 70 to 80% as mm -hmm. long lasting as the good ones. But I did get a couple error messages where after a while, the camera just gave me an error message and said like, doesn't recognize battery. So mm. it recognized me enough to be turned on and tell me the error message, but not enough to actually <laughs> yeah. pull from it. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those Funny. things. And, and so maybe it'll be the same with the tools where for 99% of people, it's totally fine. And whatever their downside is, doesn't really matter. And it would only matter if you were a photographer who's like out on the field and I can only take this many batteries with me and they have to be the best. So for cameras, I'm not going to risk it anymore because to me, footage, a camera battery could represent three to four hours of work. And I might not be aware that I missed the shot or missed the fail until after the point like the camera just like flickers off because there's like a short in the battery or something like that mm. so for me memory cards and batteries for camera equipment are things that i don't script on i'll pay the premium and i want just the extra assurance but for tools yep. i actually think if you have multiple ones you see in the moment that it's not working right. and you might just have to do another take but it's not like i'm using like a table saw or you know using batteries in tools where content continuity is like super important. Right. Like, right. Like what happens if the battery dies a little sooner? Oh, you just swap right. it. Or what happens yeah. if it fails? Right. Oh, you just, I mean, notice maybe if you're making a long circular saw cut, but you're probably using a guide rail or something anyways. And if the battery goes yeah. out, right. you just pop it in and there might be a little bit of like a saw mark there from not having the continuous movement, but not much, nothing that you can't yeah, sand out. Right. Be fine. And so this is a big part of my, should you buy this series? I don't know. Maybe it's just called worth it. Names, you know, I'll take your names. Your battery sucks. We, we need well. some names here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your batteries suck. My picks is your shitty batteries. How do they work? <laughs> right. So it's like, I tried to do this review of the track saw. It got good feedback, but it didn't get mega views, but I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep testing things out. And so my whole thought process is you can buy not only really, really big batteries, like a nine amp hour, 18 volt battery, mm -hmm. you're getting it for about like 40% cost. Mm. And that's kind of getting it Amazon prime versus a home Depot price when it's not on sale. 
And so the price I think is totally there, but I want to run it through a, I want to run these through their paces the best I can. Also understanding that like, I'm not a scientist. There's people on YouTube that know how to use like gauges and are smart, but I'm not quite that guy. I'm more of a like anecdotal experience dude. Yeah. So what I'm thinking about doing is I've got the four amp hour batteries that I like to have all the time. It's what I use on my drills and my circular saws. I picked up a couple fresh ones that are name brand and I just got delivered the ones that are off brand and I just want to throw them in some tools to see if battery life is actually equivalent. So I'll just put them in work lights and then like zip tie. Yeah. Like the trigger. trigger of a drill down and just let them run until they die. That'll be the first test. And that one is really quantitative because I can just, you know, we can all see, we right. can, we, we know long. the time, but what I'm struggling with is figuring out if there's any torque difference between yeah. the name brand and the off brand batteries. Now, granted, I can glue up a couple layers of plywood and just cut it with a circular saw and say, you know, it felt right equivalent or it felt like it was struggling a little bit. Maybe there's a perfect situation where if there is a difference that maybe the name brand battery is able to get the saw all the way through the material while the off brand saw battery actually like makes the saw stop. Like it actually dies. Well, what if that's one way of making it obvious, but if it's one of those things where it's just like, he- you know, it feels the same. Maybe and, it's a little that, tougher. It's just hard to put that down in numbers. And a surge of torque at the beginning might not be an indicator of quality. It might actually be the opposite. So sometimes with, I know with like, you know, solar home kind of systems and those kind of battery systems is that you want charge controlling and you want more consistency. So, you know, I think more and more some of these tools are having like, chips on board to help sort of manage the efficiency of the battery usage. So a cheaper battery might give you a stronger initial surge within leads to it not lasting as long. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, I'll take that any day of the week though. That's awesome. Well, just cut it, just cuts everything easier. That's killer. I mean, this is obviously different, but I know like with my little drift RC, I'll throw that nine amp hour battery in there. It'll just be like a four pound brick (laughs) on the end of a circular saw. Three seconds of juice. You dumped it all. But what I was going to say, so for my (laughs) RC drift cars, it has rechargeable batteries and I had to get these special batteries that the like so the numbers that are on them are basically how fast it depletes itself so the faster it depletes itself is like the more power it has right and oh. cheaper like, yeah the horsepower i know with like cheaper corded tools the cheaper the tool the more likely it is to flip your circuit breaker right ah. so it's like i've had some contractor table saws that were like not that yep. powerful at all but when you turn them on it's like a they almost rattle and surge and one of them would always flip my circuit breaker. The mm. saw stop is a way more powerful motor, but it like it like gradually speeds yeah. up and it's a much smoother start. It never I'm on, I'm plugged into the exact same plug. It's never flipped at once. It's like the right max so, output at the start. What if I don't know if this would kind of like test a combination of power and time maybe, but if you just in a circular saw just did a bunch of cuts. Like you just like got a piece of plywood and started cutting across the four foot thing and saw how many you could do. And may- the thinking there would be maybe that like, if it is dumping more power, then you'll cut a little bit faster to so just see how many you get through. I've, I'll do that. Just cut a bunch of one inch strips well, yeah. and just go down a I, sheet. I, okay. That's not a I bad idea. I like that. the visual for that is important. 
So rather than take like one four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood, you should lay them all out, like lay the plywood out end to end. So you're doing like how one far you 24 foot long cut. <laughs> <laughs> just take all your strips like, after it and you visually, can like make a bar graph with your drone. Visually, it would just look how long like, they went. like, cause then you could actually yeah, take the drone shot and it almost would read like a right. bar graph, like a race. Right. Like this one stopped here. And this one stopped That's here. pretty funny. So, I like that. Yeah, it would look like a video game being zoomed so out that I far. I think basic tests are actually the most practical, especially if right. you present them in a way that's like really easy to visualize. So it might be more about the mm-hmm. visualization than it is about the, the specificity of the test. So there's so many ways visually you could test longevity and duration. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so I think we're on board, but if anybody out there and don't don't overcomplicate it for me, know who you're talking to. But if there's an idea of like really quantitatively saying like, oh, this drill has more torque using this battery, you know, or whatever the the mechanism is for gauging that I would like to know. It would be cool to be able to have some numbers to show people. But no matter what, I think just kind of doing the anecdotal things are still good and practical. Three layers of MDF glued together. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking of the plywood, but same thing. Exactly. MDF might be good because one, it's like a cheaper thing to do for like sacrificial and it's really dense. Consistency too. Really consistent. Also, people will nail you on little things on this too. Like I've watched some like the Pro Tool reviews video. So if you do it the circular saw. Drilling through a knot or something like that. If you do it with one battery and it's a brand new saw blade, you got to use a new saw blade for the other ones. Because people go, oh, right. well, the, that blade got <laughs> dulled for that one. Or the tool's heated up now. That's funny. And the tool's too hot. And you switch to batteries and that. Got it. So it'll be limit as many variables as possible. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the final test, because if we can test the battery duration and then just the charge, like how much voltage is it sending out? The third thing we can do is, have you guys ever seen that YouTube channel called What's Inside? Yeah. We can just open That's them up cool. and find out whether the internal components are similar, the same, completely different. I'm open to whatever, but it would be really kind of funny, I think, if I open up the generic, I open up the Ryobi. some labels that are the same. They're just the ex- – because you know how every battery is those one kind of like – you know, they kind of look like D-cell batteries, all like big double A's. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a bunch of those chained together. It would be funny if it's just the same because I know the factory is using the same molds. That's obvious. Real quick, just because I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. You probably already thought of this, but one other like very common thing that you could test would just be how fast does it recharge from being dead? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Because I feel like that's like the other side of the component. If how long does it last? How fast does it recharge? Should I do some drop tests? Because the Ryobi batteries also have like better molding. Now that I'm thinking about it, they're using better plastic and they've got like rubber around the corners where these are just one big piece of... You know, just affordable plastic, drop I'm sure. Drop test yeah. is hard. Because drop just it's going to land in different yeah. places. Yeah. Yeah, just the battery. No tools involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. What are you guys obsessed with? Ooh, good question. Uh, I'll do, I'm obsessed I'll do with sandwich one. artist videos. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you guys think. So I, uh, the other day, I don't know if you guys have ever met him, but he's come to a couple like different woodworking things that I've had I, I always say it wrong it's either i think moro drums he's a local guy he builds drum yes, kits you i know? do know okay so <laughs> he came by the other day and we were talking a little bit 
And it's been a long time since I played drums. I sold my drum kit when we had our first kid because I was like, I don't even want him around for him to have and then be banging on <laughs> and have to be annoyed by it. But I've always wanted to get an electronic drum kit. And he wow. was like, dude, like the cheap ones are pretty good now. So immediately I just bought like a $300 Alesis electronic awesome. drum kit. So I got it set up right over there. And it's pretty fun, That's man. Awesome. I got I got the little cord so I can plug my my phone into it and play along with songs. The one thing that I would love, and this has to exist, but I would love it if you could just find like popular songs with the drum track taken out so that oh, you that could play along cool. to it. There ha- so it's like karaoke for drums. Yeah, that would be pretty neat. It's so funny that you brought that up because earlier in the episode, we were talking about Black Friday deals. Uh-huh. And I remember just a few days ago looking at Guitar Hero and musiciansfriend.com. Hey, nice. Because yeah. like Guitar Center? growing up as a kid, that was, I mean, Guitar Center was like Christmas list. Okay, that's you know? I so I remember the Black Friday sales at Guitar Center yeah. being like the thing. Yeah. Did you get a Black Friday deal on the drum kit? I think I might have bought it too early, but it, it was so cheap. I'm 300 bucks for like, it's like a pretty good kit. I know. Like, the only is thing it got, is it velocity sensitive? Like if you hit it softer or harder, does it sound different? Yes. So here, here would be the negative things. Like for what I'm doing, it's totally fine. But compared to mm-hmm. probably higher end ones, I would say the things that are not good about it are that the bass pedal is not velocity sensitive. So it's just boom, you know, it's an on off switch. And I feel like a higher end one would actually just use a beater and another pad because when you play a drum kit, like it's not just like stepping on a pedal. There's like a feedback and it kind of bounces just the way like your sticks do. So I see. So this is more just like uh, the, the, it's a pedal that's connected to nothing. Right. It doesn't have a lever and a knocker on it. It just, the pad is on the ground and and you're hitting the pad on the ground. And then kind of the same thing with the hi-hat is it it does have a pedal so you can have it open or closed, but you know how like you kind of accent by like lifting and then stepping back on when you play a hi-hat? You can't really do that with it. Got it. And then last question, does it feel weird having little baby symbols or does it still seem fun and natural? It feels a little weird. Like the, everything's a little smaller than it really would be. So they're I've always been kind of a soft player anyway. Like I'm not just like kah, 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 like animal or whatever. So it's been okay. But like if you were a little wild, you'd probably be hitting a lot of plastic rim rims. Sure, sure. Man, that's fun. Okay, that's so cool. Whenever I was looking at the Black Friday deals, they had a lot of electronic drums. And I remember seeing Roland. They make an acoustic looking electric mm. kit. So the bass drum is, yeah, that's you know, probably a nice it's not one. as deep. Yeah, it's not like 18 inches deep. Yeah, it's like three three grand yeah, 3500 on sale <laughs> not the $300 special that I got but it's so weird that you brought that up I'm gonna probably end up following your lead and getting one there now that's pretty funny Ben what are you obsessed with man I'm gonna do mine as a shout out not a sponsor at all but just to smooth on like it's one of those Ooh, companies okay. that kind of just actually there's gonna be two companies smooth on and McMaster car neither one has ever sponsored me for anything but there are companies that have really good websites. And I know we don't think of like websites as being as important, especially in like so much of the focus on the marketing side is based on social media. SmoothOn has great information on their products and their technical helpline is outstanding. If you ever... Call- I have actually emailed them a couple of times asking for product suggestions and they they not only did that, but they said like, do this, here's a tip good luck. Let us know if you need help. Like it wasn't just, here's the thing you need. Buy. They actually do what companies say they do, which is hire people <laughs> sure, that know yeah. what they're talking about. And it's important too, because 
that stuff is expensive and it's normally a key step in a time-consuming process. So not only is it about not wasting your money, it's about not wasting your time and then having to order something else and then waiting a week for it to get there. I've used SmoothOn for years. I've never asked them for anything. Like uh, I just, I always just get great value from their stuff and I always sort of tag them in it. So, and then McMaster car, man, if you're looking for a strange piece of hardware, Oh yeah. Like Amazon is (laughs) is a freaking disaster. Like, like for screws and things like that, it's impossible. The search is terrible. Like I was searching for like a, I needed a really long CNC router bit. So I was cutting through like three layers of plywood. So I need one with like a longer shank. You search for the exact measurement that you need and they keep showing you ones that are not even close to that. Dude, I was looking for just normal wood screws and I would search like one, one quarter inch wood screw and it would show me every other size. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing with the McMaster, it's crazy. the McMaster car website, like it's almost web 1.0 aesthetically. But it's so good. In a good way. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, and it's, got, like, it's like looking dr- through a paper catalog. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's what a website was in 1997 if pictures just worked better. And I think the yeah, lesson there it. is... Neither one of them's changed their website very much. They add a little bit no. here and there, but if you figure it out and make the system work, it's not about a flashy new facelift for things. It's about make the search work, make the functionality work. Yeah. And then when you add features on top of that, it's gravy. So shout out mm-hmm. to McMaster's car and shout out to Smooth On. Boom. I think last episode, I shouted out Brad Rodriguez, fix this, they'll build that. And I'm going to shout him out again. He came out, he just keeps coming out with content that I'm like watching and enjoying it's a lot. So he built some sound, I, what do you call those things? Like, Chris, you built some. Yeah. They're like sound absorption panels. Yeah, that sounds good. Got it. So he built some really simple, straightforward, exactly what you would expect from Brad, like clear cut, really just a solid build. But he had a cool idea of hanging them on the ceiling with a French cleat. And I've never seen Hmm. French cleats on a ceiling before. So I just thought that that was really cool, especially considering he built these for his garage, which is his workshop. And they're probably going to end up getting dusty, all this sort of stuff. So being able to take them off the ceiling and maybe hit them with like, uh, yeah, hit them with the air compressor and blow them off, something like that seems really useful. So shouts out to fix this, build that. If you like DIY content, then I don't know why you're not watching him. Brad's the man. Word. All right. All right, everybody. Well, we appreciate you listening as always. This was a fun episode for me. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it listening and Ben and Chris. I'm talking to you guys too. I enjoyed it. Um, If you have any topic suggestions, ideas we should talk about or challenge entries, Instagram is where all that happens. Hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge. You can reach us individually at Four Eyes Furniture. That's Chris. Ben is at Benjamin Ueda, U-Y-E-D-A. And my name is Mike, Mike Montgomery. But you find me at Modern Modern Builds. Builds. We love you. We appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Happy holidays, everybody. This has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye. Later. Bye.